According to the 2020 Harvey Nash KPMG CIO survey, security is currently the number one priority across the IT landscape. According to the survey of over 4,200 IT leaders before and during the pandemic, 41% of organizations have experienced additional cybersecurity incidents due to remote working. How prepared are you for the cybersecurity challenges that come from long-term remote work? I'm Penny Conway, and on today's all-new episode of Connection Tech Experience, I'm talking to the security experts from Intel and Connection about how to build a strategy to protect your data wherever it may be. Welcome to the podcast, Steve and Yasser. Hi, Penny. Nice to be here. Nice to see you and meet you. See you virtually here, Yasser, as well. Likewise, Steve. Yes, it's really nice. Yasser, it's your first time to the podcast. Steve, you're now a returning guest to the podcast and talking about one of our favorite topics of, I think, both of you, definitely experts in this field and really looking forward to talking about cybersecurity today. Uh, Why don't we start with you, Yasser, a little bit of an introduction of who you are, uh, what your background is, and really what expertise you plan on bringing to the podcast today. Yeah, thank you, Penny, and really excited to be here with everyone uh, today. My name is Yasser Rashid. I'm the Global Director of Enterprise Client Products at Intel, for which security is such a big part of it. And been with Intel for 21 years, I've been really involved in many aspects of uh, commercial clients. But the last 10 years or so, security has been really a big focus for Intel and a big focus for me personally. And I'm excited about this conversation today. There is a lot going on in the market and would love to at least touch based on, on some of these new paradigm uh, shifts. Absolutely. We're excited to get into it. Before we do, Steve, why don't you introduce yourself, a little bit of your background and what expertise you bring to today's podcast? Yeah, thank you, Penny. Uh, Steve Nardoni, I'm the director of Connections Cybersecurity Solutions Center. Been at Connection almost seven years. Been in the industry as a security professional since 1980, if you can believe that started my career with the National Security Agency. So that means I have a really interesting and unique perspective on security. Been a professional services manager for a good portion of my career as well, which of course is what I'm doing right now. And Connections Cybersecurity Solutions Center is all about helping our customers identify, document, understand, and be able to mitigate their risk. So cybersecurity is definitely uh, uh, an important and very uh, passionate issue for me. So I'm really happy to be here today. Excellent. So in my intro, I had referenced the Harvey Nash KPMG CIO survey. That's a a mouthful right there. But the survey is in its 22nd year of surveying IT professionals across industries and really across the globe. And one thing that I found really interesting, not only the rise of cyber security attacks since all of us really turned into a remote workforce. But the other highlight from the survey was that cybersecurity skills 
and experts in the field for the first time in 22 years is the number one need that corporations have. So being that both of you are really the experts in this field, I thought this would be a great opportunity for us to really break down for organizations that don't have that skill set yet or that expertise within their walls. What are the steps that we really need to start taking or that they need to start taking in order to build up their defense for what is coming in terms of future threats. And when we were preparing for today's episode, both, I think all of us agreed, we really like things in three. Three steps is always a really a healthy number to go after. So I'd like to really dig into sort of this three-step strategy of how to build the right infrastructure, keep it up to date, and then layer it with the right level of security and education for ongoing protection. So to sort of start out on that first step of building the infrastructure, I would love to open it up to both of you to just sort of share what goes into that from an evaluation perspective of where they are today and how they need to look at it towards the future to have that foundation in place. So Steve or Yasser, I'll give the floor to you to sort of share your thoughts on that. Go ahead, Yasser. You go first and then I'll follow Uh up. All right. Fantastic. You know, before we we talk about these wonderful three steps, I think we we need to take a step back and look at the environment and how it's shifting very quickly under our feet, if you will. You know, the first thing to think about is we've been spending more and more money on security in the market. And according to some reports, uh, and you pick your favorite, it's been growing at roughly 15% year on year for the last five years or so. And it's it's continuing into the future. So it's not a lack of spending more money on security. It's are we spending in the right uh, way and are we really addressing the problem? Are we reducing the number of attacks and so on? And the answer is no, it's actually getting worse and worse. So Mm -hmm. something has to change. We need to rethink security. Now with COVID and everybody working from home, it's actually getting even harder to do that because it's not just workers at home, it's the IT administrators, it's the security professionals. Those who we need their skills are unable to really work efficiently. The traditional methods like, you know, defending behind a firewall is all really too old uh, nowadays. And with COVID, that firewall and that perimeter is gone, has eroded completely. So we really need to step back and rethink what is going on, and maybe modernize the infrastructure so that we can cope with the advanced and new threats. I'll hand it back to uh, to Steve, and then we can talk about what can we do in this space. Yeah, thanks, Yeah, so A lot of really, really important points there. You know, just thinking about what's happening right now with the remote workforce and all the challenges that are there. Of course, the pandemic caused a massive, you know, export of individuals from behind the brick and mortar firewalls to their homes. The huge challenge that we have right now, and a misunderstanding that I think, you know, to Yash's point about IT and IT's responsibilities is the corporate network now extends into the home. And the home is not a very secure place, right? We all know that. Who installed your cable modem? Who installed your your access wireless access point? Is it still you know user ID admin password password? Are the appropriate security controls set up? So that's something that really needs to be taken into consideration. And you know we want to talk about also the weakest link in the security chain, which is the human. We all know that, right? You can have the best security strategy in the world, the best equipment, the best process. I've worked in environments that you know highly classified environments where that existed. 
but it's the human that really is the one that you have to rely on. Are they executing those policies? We refer to that as the human firewall because it, although it, you know, it kind of takes away the, you know, the humanity, right? It also is really important to understand that the human has to execute policies and controls just like a firewall, just like endpoint security and so on. So, you know, that's really critically important. But the one point I would make about risk and the challenges is that you absolutely have to understand what your risk is and where you have flaws and vulnerabilities before you move forward. Step one with any strategy associated with me. Obviously, we install firewalls and we put, you know, endpoint uh, malware, advanced malware protection on our systems and so on. But spending money on something that may not be a critical risk for you really is not a, a smart thing to do, right? A CISO should never take that type of process. So understanding that risk, documenting it before you build your strategy is critically important. You know, out of curiosity, because I it's an excellent point both of you make, is that this, it's a little, I've used this term before and I've heard it a lot before. It's sort of the wild, wild west with all of us working from home. And I, you know, Steve, I know you and I have had a conversation about the IoT uh, influence in our homes. And what's funny, Steve, is actually since the last time we did a podcast together, I have Googleized my home <laughs> and I thought of you as well. I did it. And uh, Rob and I actually had done a, a small episode about it. But you know, as a, a worker myself, I use one device for my work that I'm also using for my, I don't know if I should say this on a podcast, but for my bank account, for my, you know, my health insurance, all of this is happening on a single device. And I didn't think about it really until we worked from home because even when I was maybe doing things in the office, I felt like I had that additional layer of protection being within the walls of the company. And I, I said to my husband a couple of weeks ago, I was like, I have no idea if uh, me sitting in my office every day, I am at risk. And I wonder from a, a CIO or just a, an IT leadership point of view, with so many, if you've got, you know, whether it's a hundred employees or a thousand employees, how do you even wrap, start to wrap your head around each of these unique environments that they sit in every day and have the ability to control their risk or mitigate the risk that they present? So how do you even start having, digging into that with one of your clients that you're working with when they're like, I can't control a thousand environments? What's your guidance to them? So uh, let me start, uh, Steve, and you can add your thoughts and experience here. You know, the, the fundamental assumption that I highly recommend to every chief information security officer is to apply the zero trust model. Assume that nothing is, is trusted, really, and bring the protection and the defense mechanisms to the point of access and to the point of consumption. In, in other words, don't defend at the perimeter or assume that the environment at home is protected and safe. Assume the opposite. Assume that everything could be changed and or, or hacked, really, or someone naively providing access. I'm now working from home and, and I have my, my son, you know, in the next room and playing games or trying to access certain websites. I don't know if there is an entry point that he may be 
without thinking about it, opening up for the environment. So the protection needs to be at the device level that I'm using. And Penny, you're using the same device. Uh, that's very not, not common for a lot of people. We'll talk about your password later if, if you want to, you know. But the point is that device needs to have the right level of protection if you're using it for work environment and be able to maybe distinguish between what is personal versus what is work related. First step, I think we need to assume that nothing is really as safe as it used to be. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And you hit the nail right on the head with zero trust, right? You really need to, you know, have a mindset essentially is that I likely have been breached and I just don't know it, right? The standards are, you know, malware is in an environment for 170 days before it's detected. Some figures are higher, 220 days takes, you know, somewhere between 60 and 80 days to actually mitigate it once it's in the environment. So what that means is that a good information security professional, CISO, director of IT, is putting in place effective detection and response technologies. And, you know, really that's a shift in focus that's happened over the last, you know, probably five years. It used to be protection, 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 right? Make sure you have that layered protection in place. Now, with the sophisticated malware that's out there, the nation states that are, you know, going after critical things, we have this huge healthcare situation right. that's happened recently. Um, you know, what you need to do is recognize that you will be breached and maybe already have been breached, and you need to put in place the ability to be able to detect when an event happens and have the ability to be able to respond before an event becomes an epidemic. And any good security professional will build that. And just the, the you know, final point, that's the big difference between the corporate network and the corporate network in the home. Good IT professionals have monitoring capabilities. You know, we have fantastic monitoring capabilities as a company. Um, but when you're in the home, who's monitoring that, right? And you yeah. start, now you're getting into the IoT realm and there is technology. In fact, you know, Yas was talking about his son playing games. I installed an IoT protection device on my network and, you know, then I got the, when my son was here, hey, I can't connect to this game site anymore. And I, so now you're, <laughs> white, you're whitelisting everything, right? That you want to legitimately allow connectivity to. But that protection is really important. And there's actually really good IoT home protection technology, typically in the $100 to $200 range. It actually will monitor your IoT devices and look for mm. malicious activities, you know, in that area as well. And corporations, of course, are not installing that in, in the employees' homes. But, you know, good employees with a high level of understanding of threat and risk and security awareness should be considering that from a protection point of view. Yeah, and along those lines, if I may add uh, a little bit, Penny, right. you know, we like the magical number of three, right? So you got to think of protect, detect, and correct. So A, put the right protection in place. B, as Steve said, you got to be able to detect when something is in the environment as soon as possible and has to be super quick in real time as opposed to when it's too late. And then be ready when the attack is, is there already to be able to correct from that situation and get back to a pristine state. It's a matter of when as opposed to if anymore, right? And we have to be ready to come back from, from the attack and correct the situation. Yeah. And, you know, Steve, you, you brought up a good point. The, the healthcare, the threat to hospitals, hospital organizations, affiliates, private practices, you know, there's a, a huge, there's, I think on Monday was the FBI warning reported by the Associated Press 
that over 400 hospital organizations were at risk for ransomware. And especially now as we sort of head into the winter and we're going to be dealing with additional COVID cases, one of the reports that I read is that when certain organization identified that they had a ransomware attack, they shut down all computer systems and their doctors and their clinicians and their nurses were handwriting on charts. They were keeping paper records. And my immediate thought was not only the cyber risk that they had now to manage, but as a result of that cyber risk, they had additional HIPAA risks associated by now handwriting and having things everywhere all over the hospital, which I'm sure they had a a plan that they were working with. But I wonder in this total personal opinion, this part of why I love a podcast is I look at that situation and I wonder back to the detect and correct you know, if organizations are setting up a system in place to have that early detection, should we even be getting to that point where we have to shut, you know, an organization school down, shut a department of a hospital down and start manually doing things and not using our systems because that threat is penetrated? Is it possible to prevent getting to that point by putting the right pieces in place ahead of time? Yeah, so one of the things to take into consideration as well, Penny, is the the threat to human life, right? Which is right. Uh, is really the most critical thing. And as hospitals become more sophisticated, a lot of these systems that they're using for certainly patient care, absolutely, and even surgery, you know, is connected to hospital networks. And in some cases, you know, we we know about the Internet of Medical Things, IOMT, right? And mm-hmm. And, you know, the devices that infusion pumps and, and all types of systems that are in hospitals that are critical that could potentially be breached. So the situation is is very dire in the hospital environment. And, you know, we also know that healthcare organizations are targeted because as far as, you know, the data value, right, data is the new currency. That's what we say yeah. about cybersecurity breaches that the value of it, one individual healthcare record is two to three times what it is in any other environment, even you think about credit cards, right? So wow. yep. it really is a huge attack platform. And the other issue as we're talking about is the increase in the overall attack surface as more and more organizations implement more technology, especially IoT technology, it opens up a lot of potential vectors that the malicious actors can go after and again, in a hospital environment, even manufacturing is another area. You know, education is another area that's mm-hmm. suffering from phishing and ransomware. It really becomes very critical. And the sad part about this whole thing is that, you know, the malicious actors take advantage of everything that happens that is potentially, you know, damaging. You know, something like a pandemic, phishing has increased 600% since February. So it really is unbelievable, but they do take advantage of that. And, you know, they're launching phishing campaigns where they have phony COVID guidance and they're enticing people to open up or click on links and they're attacking them that way. And it really has become a huge, huge issue, uh, certainly since the pandemic started. Yeah, sir. We when we talk about sort of what the strategy looks like, we had mentioned that infrastructure and you had alluded to, I think, 
step number one is having the right device, you know, that endpoint device, which might be the first entry point um, for a malicious attack. What would we, you know, is that where it ends on the infrastructure side? What protections are built into that device to protect that infrastructure? A little more color around that as we sort of build out what this strategy looks like. Thank you, Penny. That's a great question. And, you know, I was uh, I just got an email, by the way, from my friend in Nigeria, the the Nigerian (laughs) prince. uh, So (laughs) asking the same question. (laughs) Seriously, you know what? Just a couple million he wants. Yeah, yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) You know, 75 percent, according to a report from Sophos, 75 percent of those attacked by ransomware were running up to date security software. So nowadays, the the importance of the comprehensiveness of the solution, if you will, is that we use new techniques that regular attacks cannot really circumvent easily. And software alone cannot do the job. So we need the right level of protection at the device level and in hardware. That's it's so important nowadays to be able to overcome the challenges that we have. And from that point of view, the three-step approach that that we talk about, the first one is to modernize the infrastructure, get the right device. And the latest devices, for example, latest vPro clients from Intel have two technologies that are so critical for that level of protection at the endpoint. One is called Intel Hardware Shield, which takes care of the detect and and protect uh, aspect. And then a technology called Intel Active Management Technology, that helps you with the correct piece. So with these two technologies all embedded in and integrated with Intel vPro, you get the protect, detect, and correct. And of course, every year we keep modifying them so that we cope with the advancements on the threat uh, landscape as well. So that, that first stage of the strategy, modernize the infrastructure, get the right device, and then you take it to the next level, which is refreshing and updating the device with the right patches and updates that as we go along is super critical. And again, the technology to do this remotely so that you don't have to right. wait until the workers are in the office. And then, you know, I, I want to at least, you know, talk about these two and then we can come back to the correct piece and, and how we educate people in general on how to layer the right type of corrections and protections in the, in the market. Yeah, Steve, I'd like to, you know, as part of, I think, your practice here at Connection is, you know, working even when you have the, that right device, you're actually doing a lot of things in the background to see where the vulnerabilities are, where the weaknesses are, not just on that human element, but the the infrastructure element. Share with us a little bit about your work there as part of this building the right infrastructure, keeping it up to date before we get to that, you know, keeping it going and ongoing education piece. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, one of the things that is, again, commonly misunderstood in the industry is that everybody thinks that most of the breaches that occur are incredibly sophisticated attacks that take advantage of the skills and capabilities of the people that are creating this malicious software and really doing these crazy things, you know, that would allow them to be able to break into systems that otherwise would be impenetrable. The true fact is that over 50% of the breaches happen due to human error and misconfiguration of systems. And, you know, that can include missing patches. It could include just, you know, software updates and configurations that aren't done appropriately. So, you know, one of the things that you can do to combat that is really leverage the technology and make sure that it's configured appropriately to reduce flaws and vulnerabilities that could potentially be exploited 
And that's really, you know, what we what we do for our customers. We do that testing outside and inside, social engineering testing, wireless security, you know, the ethical hacking kinds of things, uh, look at their policies and so on that help. But one of the things that we always encourage customers to do, number one, you want to have that, that layered approach, making sure you have security at the appropriate levels. And you want to make sure that your technology isn't so complex that it actually increases risk. And that's really sort of the beauty right. of the talking about with the Intel platform is it's built into the platform. It's easy to configure and it provides very critical security functions without a lot of complexity. And so just utilizing those services is really a smart thing to do. The problem is a lot of companies have these capabilities and don't even know they have these capabilities and they need help, you know, understanding what they could potentially do. And, you know, if you've got VPro on your system, it's just a great first step to just make sure you're leveraging all of its capabilities. You get all the security protection, get the isolation it provides, you get the management functionality and capability that provides from a remote perspective, you get protection of certificates and multi-factor components and so on. It, it really is a, a great capability that uh, people need to really start to understand and leverage. That is an excellent point. I think that that is one of the things that is tends to be missed a lot when buying new hardware is there's a lot of, I'm looking at my, I have an HP Dragonfly and I I look at it and there's stickers on it from Intel telling me I have a Core i7, all, all of these wonderful things. And you look at the data specs, but a lot of times when you're picking a device, you're not really digging into all of those details and benefits that are built into the device itself and what it can actually do and protect against. And I think that that's probably a key area that our Intel connection team can likely help our customers with is, you know, when you come to us and say, I'm really worried, you know, uh, cybersecurity is my number one focus in 2020 and 2021, and I don't know where to start. The conversation can start with the device. What do you already have in the device? Are you leveraging what's in the device? Because that can be your first, you know, stopping point of attacks that are coming that could potentially come in your wall. So excellent point. What do you have now that you're not leveraging before you start going on and layering all of this additional software and components and just trying to be up to date, but not necessarily doing it in the most pragmatic way? Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the things like our security landscape optimization assessment can help with by looking at all the various technology and process across the ecosystem and identifying what the risk is there. So that's, you know, again, it's just really important to understand, you know, how many people have microwaves and the baked potato button, the vegetable button, <laughs> you know. The popcorn and, button and doesn't the, work. And the popcorn <laughs> button right, are the only things that they use, right? Because it's just human nature that you, you know, you get it to the point, you tune it to the point where it does what you want it to do, but you never explore you know, the complexity. You know, we, we have conversations all the time with customers that are using UTM firewalls that have great capability for advanced malware protection, data loss protection, and so on. And they don't even know those features are part of the devices. So it's really important that you understand, you know, getting back to the Intel piece, it's really important to understand what you have on your system and what you can do to leverage it to just provide you a much higher level of protection. And especially in the remote worker environment where you don't have 
that capability. Yes, I know if you want to talk about the advantage of the remote connectivity and for home workers, that's that's super important. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, with the remote work, it's not just workers that are at home, right? It's the IT administrators as well, and they are themselves trying to protect their own environment and protect everyone and update everyone and and patch everyone. The, the luxury of taking your PC to a you know a technician in at, in the office is no longer there. And nowadays, the right level of security requires a process, a hygiene process to update on a regular basis. Now, let's take a step back again, right? The attacker needs a 0.1% break somewhere to get in. The defender needs to protect and close everything 100%. The difference in, in the task is, is amazing, right? So the attackers, they have an easy way. All they need to figure out is someone, you know, with a password that is easy to, to detect or, you know, send an email. If 1% of people receiving that email click on that link, the rest is history. So the protection in the device is so important, the ability to detect in real time, and then the ability to update and patch and correct when something goes wrong. Intel Active Management Technology allows IT administrators to do all of this remotely, over the cloud, on wired and wireless, and with scale that goes up to hundreds of thousands of devices. So they can do it pretty much working from home and still have uh, the right reach to, uh, to the workers. That's amazing. And I think what a lift on the burden and sort of the back to that, if you know that you have it and you can use it, it immediately, I picture like this weight coming off the shoulders of an IT leader. That's like how, back to that first question, there's a thousand people working from home. How on earth do we manage that many people wherever they are, whatever they're doing? And, you know, as we look to sort of wrap our three bullets here, our three-point strategy, that last piece of, you know, having the right level of security, I think we've really covered. And now that ongoing education for the most critical threat that we have, like you said, Steve, is the human, the end user. That is not going to be something that I think is ever 100% where everyone is like, oh, that looks dangerous. But what are some of the best practices that you would say an organization needs to take now to just educate that end user a little bit to try to close that gap as much as they can? Yeah, so I'll cover a couple of things and then, you know, Yarsa can jump in and, and round us out. But, you know, one of the things that's really important, and you know, I have been a, a chief security officer in my career as well, is to establish a mechanism where the employees have a safe way to be able to communicate when they see things. And I can't emphasize how important that is. You know, in the airport, you always hear the alerts. If you see something, say something. It's really important that if an employee thinks something might be wrong with their system, they know exactly who to connect with, they have connectivity, and they don't feel like they're being ostracized for, you know, something that they may have done, a mistake or something along those lines. And, it, you know, it's clear and, and you can follow up on that. So that's huge. The other piece that Yasa mentioned, and, you know, is this, it, this is daunting when you think about it. You know, getting back to one of the original comments you said about lack of cybersecurity professionals, First of all, cybersecurity is the most complex thing you can deal with, right? It's abstract. It's it's not a science. It's really an art. And that's right. why it's so important that you have qualified cybersecurity professionals. But, you know, how do they how do they communicate? How do they respond? How do people know how they all use a common vocabulary is really, really critical. 
And that is even more critical in the education of the employees. And as Yasa indicated, right, you know, think about it. The attack only has to be right once, right? The corporation has to be right every single time. And when you think about social engineering and how sophisticated those attacks are, you think about the likelihood that one of, you know, 10,000 employees is going to click on a malicious link or open a malicious file. That's that's pretty a pretty sure thing. So yeah. it's just constant re-education. You have to have a program. It's not a, you know, October is National Cybersecurity Awareness Month. It's not a once a year thing. It is constant revisiting, doing testing to validate that your employees know how to protect themselves against social engineering attacks, email-based, phone-based, even physical-based. Uh, is really important, and you just need to you need to keep at it because that dominant issue is attacker only has to be right once, and and all of your employees, those human firewalls, have to protect your critical assets, the critical data that they touch every single day, create every single day, every time, and and that's right. just, it's the hardest. The, the being a, a responsible for cybersecurity in a company is it's one of the hardest jobs in the world, beyond a doubt. Yeah, it most definitely sounds, I'm thinking about my own job and then I'm thinking about what my job would be if I was a cybersecurity professional <laughs> and I already have to bob and weave enough. I'm not quite sure I, I that would be the the job for me. And I I think, and yeah, Sarah, I'll let you kind of close us out here, but I, I think one of the, on the education piece from a personal side of not being in the cybersecurity world, we get a lot of emails about don't click on this. There's phishing scams here. There's this, there's that. But like I said, in the front of our episode here, I'm doing all of my personal things on a work device as well. And I, I think it would be enlightening for employees to understand that they're not just protecting company data that they're creating and that they're using and that they're leveraging. But if they're not following these protocols, their personal data, their own bank accounts, their own health records, all of this is out there to be seen. And so I, I think that might be a good tip just as an end user that to wrap that into how it's going to affect us personally, as well as our company might be part of the new re-education as this remote work continues on. So yeah, sir, that's kind of my closing thought. Would love to get sort of your closing thoughts round out the end of this episode in terms of how we continue this education process with new threats coming every day. Yeah, and thank you. And this has been a fascinating conversation. You know, at, at the end of the day, the reality is, think of the uh, analogy of we live in a nice neighborhood, uh, the crime rate is low, everything is good, and then all of a sudden the crime rate is rising and, and it's becoming alarming. You got to educate everyone and everyone in, in their own households, they educate their children on, you know, watch and if you see something, say something and talk to me and don't assume whoever talks to you in the in the street on the street is is a just nice person trying to talk to you, right? right? So that level of education is so much needed today and it's a process that you have to do it over and over again because naturally people don't want to think about the threats. They want to think that they are safe and everything is good. So there is a change in that behavior that is needed for everyone to be uh, safe. And and with that, I would like to go back to the, the three steps and, and really encourage everyone on the connection team to embrace these as, as as you are the trusted advisors for your customers. First, modernize the infrastructure, get the right devices and protect you know, with a zero trust approach at the device level. Second, keep those devices up to date, patch and update on a regular basis. And third, 
layer the right security protection on top of that and educate everyone so that they can really embrace the right mechanism for it. Excellent. Well said. Excellent conversation. I think this is going to be a topic that we visit a lot over the next couple of years with new threats coming out, new solutions from Connection and Intel really at the forefront of these threats and helping our customers protect against them. Thank you both so much for joining today's episode. I love the conversation and I've walked away with a few tips that maybe I could be a bit more secure in my own home environment. So whatever platform you are out there listening to us on, please be sure to like, share, and follow. Feel free to leave us a comment. We'd love to get your thoughts on today's episode. You can also email us at podcast at connection.com. And for more information on how to be more secure and what's built in your devices from Intel and our security practice at Connection, reach out to your Connection account manager or visit us at www.connection.com. Thanks again, Steve and Yasser. Awesome to talk to you. Hope you come back soon. Thank you. Thank you, Penny. Thanks, Yasser. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks, Steve. Bye.